We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back to Her Hoop Stats Unplugged. As always, you're here with Megan Gower in the countdown to the season is on. We are less than a week from tip-off. Season tips off Monday, November 7th. So when we are talking to you next week, we will be talking about actual college basketball games. Very exciting. To kind of end our last week of preview content, though, I am here today with Jacob Mox from our Hoop Sets team, who helps compile our Becky Hammond mid-major player of the year watch list. That watch list now out for the upcoming season, 25 players on that list and i am here today with jacob to talk all about those players mid-major teams we're interested in keeping an eye on this season and more so without further ado hey jacob how's it going i'm good how about you good good and we are going to talk today about the becky hammond mid-major player of the year award that her hoop Seth presents um the preseason watch list for that is out and jacob plays a big part in getting that watch list together so straight to yeah. the source on <laughs> who's on that list <laughs> yeah uh year four yeah year four of the award um the third year where we're doing it in the preseason uh the first year was a very last minute like late november uh on a whim decision and since then we've been kind of going full full force definitely and 25 players on that preseason watch list that we have out right now 25 different schools represented as well right so kind of yeah schools yeah i think that's the first time that's happened that there's no like there's been times in the past where like Missouri State had multiple, or Gonzaga had multiple. Um, yeah, it's uh, still a typical number of conferences because the A10 and the MAC 
and the West Coast Conference really dominated there and had, I think, four, four, and three, respectively. Um, but yeah, I did notice that we did not double up on any schools this season. I think it's probably, we can talk about this a little bit later, but like I think the talent spreads a little bit with the increased transferring this season. Um, like three of probably the top five mid-major players in the country last year transferred and then the like one of the other top five graduated um so this was a very fresh list for sure definitely definitely a lot of a lot of new faces on the list a handful of semifinalists from last year a finalist from from two years ago who i'm sure we're going to talk about shortly so a lot yep. of names to talk through on this list um kind of starting i guess at the, the beginning alphabetically by school. I think one of the names that stood out to me is Destiny Wells from Belmont, now in the, the MVC, but a player that, I mean, made a little bit of a splash in the tournament last year with Belmont getting a win there and just uh, a player that's very exciting to watch and I'm excited to see in the MVC yeah. this season. I I'm don't quote me on this, but I believe Belmont is the only team that's made it like even Pat, the, the only mid-major team that's one, even one game in each of the last two tournaments, which is weird <laughs> um, that more haven't done that. But yeah, they're consistently um, up there among the best mid-majors in the country. And it's going to be really fun to see them playing in the MVC this year. Um, obviously, like the OVC isn't like a super low profile league, but like they're going to get a lot more um, coverage for sure this season. And Destiny Wells has been doing this since she was a freshman um she put up a freshman season that like if it weren't for caitlin clark and Paige becker is going at it like would have been considered like one of the best freshman seasons in the country uh in 2019-20 or sorry would that be i'm so bad at remembering years uh two two seasons <laughs> ago uh yeah uh she's a really exciting player um she was like among like the easiest locks like i didn't have to like didn't have to put too much thought into uh her down on uh in pen on the on the list so yeah definitely and a player that's getting some national attention too she's on that nancy lieberman list for the top 28 watch list for point guards in the country so um getting some well-deserved recognition on a national level as well yep. kind of amongst power five talent and i agree a player that's pretty much a lock to be on this preseason list and should be very exciting to see what this year looks like from her yeah i mean she will have a very good opportunity um, coming in to the MVC. Uh, they are poised to continue their dominance of just winning every conference that they're in. Um, it probably won't be as easy as when they're in the OVC, but um, yeah, I mean, they're the closest uh, MVC team to being ranked. Um, if they can get into the rankings and that just brings that extra level of coverage, um, you get you get like national games picked up. I think that it would be huge for them. So definitely, definitely. Hopefully we will see them on national TV some this year. I'm pretty sure they're playing a pretty tough non-conference as well. So that should give us a chance yeah. to see them. Well, they, their <laughs> second game of the season uh, is they are actually hosting Louisville. I know that you and Calvin talked about this game actually a week ago or a couple weeks ago. Um, I'm really excited for that game. Um, that'll probably be uh, – just a quick plug. <laughs> That'll be probably be the first game that Calvin and I will be covering um, in our mid-major playback series. For people who aren't aware, playback is a website where you basically 
you create an account there. The account's totally free. You log in with whatever credentials you're normally watching games with. So cable, ESPN plus, Sling, anything like that. Um, and you can watch along basically as we provide uh, our view of the game. We're going to talk about, obviously, we're going to talk about Destiny Wells. We're going to talk about Louisville and all their players. Um, we're going to talk about 2D Jones also on Belmont. Um, really excited about that game. Uh, would really recommend people sign up now so that you can get reminders when it, when that game is coming up. Um, that'll be November 13th. If you go to playback.tv backslash herhoopstats, you can create an account, get added to our room, and get notifications. Just wanted to get that out there because that'll be week one. We're going to do one mid-major game a week, um, and it was hard picking that one. Um, there's, <laughs> there's a lot in that first week. <laughs> I literally have a sheet in front of me that is 23 games long, <laughs> and that is week one of games that I am interested in that have yeah. at least one mid-major team. Um, and most of them have a Becky Hammond watches player, um, but others are just great teams that are didn't, even if they didn't get a single player on, the the sum of their parts makes a really great team. Um, you know, but it seems like Rhode Island and Harvard are coming to mind there, so. Yeah. Definitely. No, I'm glad you plugged that. I'm also excited to tune into you guys doing that. So that should be very fun. And then yeah. kind of on that theme of Belmont schedule, they also have Iowa. They've got Villanova over Thanksgiving week, a potential to play Baylor during Thanksgiving week, uh, Georgia Tech and Georgia. So qu quite the quite the non-conference schedule. So should be yeah. some good opportunities to see them play. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited for this NBC season as a Drake alum. Um, I am so fascinated by how this is, how like this change of teams is going to go. Um, Murray State is kind of a wild card. Um, I really like Caitlin Young. She's also on the watch list. Um, truly one of the most efficient players in the country. Um, I'm curious how far she can carry Murray State and where they can end up kind of by her success. Um, yeah. And like as a Drake alum, I'm hoping for the best for Drake. Um, <laughs> after their their kind of peak was cut short really frustratingly by COVID um, a couple, several years ago, uh, they're slow, slowly building back. They have a sense of normalcy that is like in the upper half of the MVC uh, this season. Um, I'm excited for their season. They're a very young team. Um, but yeah, I know Calvin has probably talked a lot about Illinois State. I, I like them as a team as well. They're very fun. I like how they have built their roster kind of around uh, a handful of elite JUCO transfers. Um, yeah, lo a lot of fun teams in the Valley. Uh, but what's weird is that the only two Valley players that made the watch list were teams that were not in the Valley last year. <laughs> uh, maybe a good time for... Uh, some fresh competition, so. Yeah, definitely. And I guess Caitlin Young is one of those names I had on my list as well to make sure we talked about so we can do a little bit more there before we, we move on to other players and other conferences. But, I mean, she was a semifinalist for the award last year, 20 points a game. That's obviously no small feat in general. So it'll be exciting to see another person that's new to the MVC, what what they she can do and what Murray State can do this year. Yeah, yeah. Um... 
Yeah, it, it'll be an interesting year for um, for Murray State. It'll be interesting to see how Missouri State uh, handles. Um, obviously, Coach uh, Coach Mox, not related at all, um, <laughs> has gone on to uh, to Virginia um, in the ACC, and I believe Beth Cunningham is now their new head coach. Um, it'll be interesting. Jasmine Franklin, who would have been a lock for this list, but has transferred, I believe, to Tennessee, if I remember correctly. Um, following her former assistant coach, or no, head coach. I forget if, following Kelly Harper a couple years after the fact to yeah. Tennessee. Um, that'll be interesting. I'm obviously rooting for all of those players, uh, obviously. And I think Calvin, I don't remember if this was out when Calvin was last on the show, but Calvin wrote all about those mid-major to power conference transfers. Um, Shaley Gonzalez looking like, in addition, that's going to make Texas look like ridiculous this year. Like one of the most insane defenses ever over the past couple seasons. And then they add offense finally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that'll be interesting. Um, Daisha Fair uh, following uh, her coach over to Syracuse. And I know I'm forgetting someone. Who am I forgetting? <laughs> Abby Myers. Abby Myers going yes. from Princeton to Maryland. Uh, Princeton did not have any players on this watch list but they had like two or three who were very close to the watch list. And they're one of the teams that they're in name, obviously um, they have had like, what was it like a, like a 30 and two season a couple years ago or something mm -hmm. crazy like that, where they only lost to, I can't even remember who they would have lost to LSU or FGCU or someone like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Abby Myers, really exciting player to see move over to the big 10. Um, yeah. Just across the board. I'm, as much as it makes it hard, my job harder filling out the list, <laughs> I, I am rooting for these players uh, to succeed wherever they are. So, definitely, definitely. I kind of want to, I know we're supposed to talk about this list, but while we're on the subject of those transfers, I yeah. watched the Texas DePaul uh, exhibition game on Sunday. So, just an exhibition game. So, obviously, coaches are trying out different things, but I do think that Texas's offense looked much improved from last season, and DePaul is not by any means your your strongest defensive team they are quite the offensive minded team and yeah uh, i think just very undersized compared to texas as well but i did like what i saw so far from that texas offense with those new additions with um, shelly gonzalez and then also you've got sonia morris from DePaul, actually yeah <laughs> yeah, that I now. That. yeah. <laughs> yeah kind of an interesting first game as a longhorn for her i'm sure <laughs> but it sounds like doug bruno was very much helped her out with finding a new place to land for her for last season so i don't think there was any bad blood there yeah <laughs> all right so going back to our, our top 25 list here, another name that I had on the list, I think was maybe the, the second most obvious person to talk about on it would be Maya Sellen from South Dakota State. Um, Calvin and I did already talk about South Dakota State quite a bit on the, the preview podcast and how the fact that we think they're going to be very good this season. Won the WNIT last year, Maya was the, the MVP of that tournament she was also a finalist for this award not last season where she had some injuries but the, the season before as well so a very yeah. exciting player on a national scale as well as this list yeah i mean if i if i'm remembering correctly they yeah they entered the season ranked 23rd um the highest ranked mid-major depending on how you want to count creighton but like <laughs> in my opinion i think the big east yeah. isn't, isn't mid-major um but yeah uh Really excited to see what uh, what Maya can do 
in a healthy season. Um, I believe she had injuries starting and ending a bit of last season. Um, she put up good numbers when she was playing. And, or I guess not the end of the season. Maybe it was the beginning and the middle, I suppose. Yeah. Um, she was with them for that WNIT run. But uh, yeah, so I have an, the note that I included for her little blurb in the um, in the watch list announcement is that Jackrabbits close out the season on a 25-3 and three run, which Summit League, like, there aren't a lot of challenges that they're going to come up against, but like, that's still a really impressive run. And that stretches back into the non-conference too. Um, and that was basically from the time Maya came back and was like in full force and was not playing limited minutes. Um, and like, honestly, the way that they looked without her, um, the way that she elevates just the entire performance of the team, even not just like stat sheet stuffing, but just like helping other players, like taking the burden off of some of the other kind of secondary players. Um, yeah, just seeing what they were without her and what they became with her is like one of the more convincing, like, like that, that it's almost as convincing as if she played a full season of like 15 and 10 or 15 and five or something like that. So. Exactly. And I think when you talk about that 25 and three run too, like it stretches into the non-conference and then also like their conference did include South Dakota, which made quite this noise in the NCAA yeah. tournament last year with that Baylor upset. So no kind of, you do have at least that one team in the, in the summit that was going to give them a hard time. Yeah. And I've said, I, I'll probably say this about a hundred teams, but like <laughs> South Dakota is going to be really interesting. Um, Hannah Shervin has graduated um, but they do have uh, a handful of returning players, and they've recruited very well based on their success for the last couple of years. Um, they've recruited very well in the state of South Dakota. Um, honestly, I would not be surprised if by midseason, uh, one of those younger players has separated themselves as a player that's going to make it on a midseason watch list. Um, I was looking back at and like each midseason watch list only like seven or eight of the 15 or even on the preseason <laughs> um because we do like start totally from scratch like i empty the board and start again because we have the benefit of the database of group stats of course um and we're not, i'm not afraid to admit when i was wrong and when this the other people kind of providing inputs uh maybe we're off base um yeah i could see i could see i would not be shocked at all if one or maybe even multiple of those south dakota players by then has distinguish themselves as being worthy of making the list. Um, it's just hard to pick with so much like right. balance at the top of a roster like that. So exactly. Yeah. It's hard to understand, know who's going to be that player that makes the jump this yep. year, but especially with, especially with the, the center role open with uh, Hannah Sherman now graduated. Um, and a lot of times it's hard to predict that because the players that are going to fill those minutes only played 10, 15 minutes a game last year. Uh, <laughs> so it's hard to just like, it's hard to extrapolate out like, oh, they're still going to be like wildly efficient in 30 minutes a game as opposed to 15. So. Yeah, definitely. That, make, that makes a lot of sense. Um, another player that, that stands out to me uh, was a semifinalist last year as well. And coming from another, I think, team that we're going to see kind of make some noise this year is Sam Breen out of UMass as well, 17.3 um, and 10. So she averaged a double-double last season. And this UMass team, like, it returns every single starter from 
last season. And I think uh, could be a team that makes some noise on, yeah. on the national scale. Yeah. Um, speaking of week one matchups, uh, <laughs> Massachusetts against Tennessee, I mentioned Jasmine Franklin, I mentioned playing for her old coach, Kelly Harper. Um, that's going to be a very fun matchup. I wouldn't go so far as to say, like, I would pick UMass to win that game because Tennessee uh, <laughs> has, a, has the potential to become or to maybe keep being or become elite this season. Um, but regardless, I think UMass is going to show up and they're not going to just, like, lay down and <laughs> give up or anything like that. Uh, they're going to put up a fight and they're going to they're going to play hard and they're going to play well. Uh, yeah. I'm really excited to see Sam Breen this year. Um, she averaged a 17 point double double last season. Uh, like you said, she made the mid season and the semifinalist list um, playing in a very competitive, kind of an underratedly competitive a 10 last season. Um, it's going to be fun to watch her compete against some of the other A-10 players that are on this list and even some of the players that aren't on this list, some of the players that just missed it. Um, yeah, uh, let me see if I can remember. So there's um, there's Kayla Sproul out of LaSalle, very efficient big, um, very excited to see her play. Addie Budnick of Richmond, another very efficient forward. And in what is a theme in the A-10, I guess, is an incredibly efficient defensive-minded forward uh, in Brooke Flowers, who was, I believe, the reigning defensive player of the year out of the A-10 um, in the like upper echelon of shot blocking in the country. Um, and outside of teams just being afraid to challenge her anymore, I don't see that changing. Um, and honestly, if they don't want to challenge her um, in a league that is that does have so many like great bigs, um, that's probably even more valuable for St. Louis. Um, but yeah, a lot of talent, a lot of talented bigs in the, in the A-10 had to keep an eye on. Um, yeah. That, yeah. The A-10 and the Mac led with four, which I think no other conference has ever had more than four on the preseason list. Weirdly, the Mac had five on, <laughs> on a mid season list, which is ridiculous. So the fact that they had five of 15 one year, um but i don't see that happening probably ever again for any conference that was just like a wildly dominant uh midseason i think that was the first year with uh like ohio had multiple players um central michigan i'm blanking on names but yeah uh yeah a10 gonna be a lot of fun the max gonna be a lot of fun this year i mean all of this is gonna be a lot of fun but those two in particular are gonna have a lot of star star players so Exactly, which always always makes things fun in college basketball. The stars really are kind of what sets the tone for the season across the board. So it'll be yeah. exciting to, to see that. And yeah, I think kind of circling back to the A-10, so, but that, that Tennessee game, we talked about it a little bit on last week's episode with Cora Hall, but maybe one that people aren't circling on Tennessee's schedule, but probably should be. It's like almost a top 25 matchup in my head because I'm like, UMass is a team that could make their way into the top 25 this year. Yeah, there. I mean, there are probably two or three teams that I wouldn't be surprised to see ranked in the A10. Um, yeah, I mean, I I feel like I'm a broken record, but I'm just, I'm very excited yeah. <laughs> to see takes out this year. Um, just such like a wide a wide amount of talent. It's not like it's not 
that top heavy either. Um, there are a lot of like really exciting like role players and players off the bench. Um, but yeah, UMass returning all five is going to be interesting for <laughs> the other however many teams are in the A10, like 15 or 16 other teams at this point. So yeah, and they've already got a nice like tune up to their their season as well. They just played. UConn in a secret scrimmage going into the season. So. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't like they just came out publicly, I guess. Um, but yeah, so that was like their UConn or UMass was a secret scrimmage this year. So that's definitely a good way to start the season. And then, like you said, that Tennessee game as well coming up. So that one should be, should be interesting too. And they play uh, Arizona state and Missouri as well. And that, um, and they're kind of, um, non-conference slate, that's the word I'm looking for. So yeah. some games that should be interesting, give them a chance to get a, you know, power five wins potentially, I think, at Arizona State and Missouri as well. I think those are games that they've got a good shot at. So things that'll be yeah. big resume builders come, come March. Yeah, and that's going to be super important um, because the A-10 historically has not been like a automatic two-bid league. Um, there are three, maybe four teams that like could be in contention for at large this season, um, in the A10 and it's going to be crucial for them to win some of those like very high profile national, like non-conference games. Otherwise the committee is going to underrate them like always happens. Um, so <laughs> it's nice that they're setting themselves up to at least have the opportunity, um, I think that's obviously the first step and come away with one or two and you can all but lock yourself into some at-large game. So Yeah, agreed. Agreed. So those will be good ones to circle when they get here. Um, another name that stood out to me, she's also on the Cheryl Miller award watch list, Skylar Gill out of North Alabama. I mean, that jumps off the page 3.2 blocks per game. That is insane. <laughs> As a, and again, I feel like I'm referring to Calvin a lot, but Calvin, <laughs> Calvin really discovered Skylar last season. Um, when I look deeper at her stats and Calvin did a great video breakdown of her ability to not just block shots, but block shots on help defense as a guard, as a freshman guard that's five foot eleven, and keep the ball in bounds. So like her ability to block shots and either contain them herself or tip them out to teammates, she had like a ridiculously high defensive rebounding rate, especially for someone who's not even six feet tall. Um really excited to see what she can do as a as a sophomore. Um if anyone is gonna see their 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 block shots decline as a result of fear it's gonna be her um, <laughs> because it, it's probably gonna be a little bit easier to control a perimeter defender from shot blocking but she blocks shots on the perimeter and like from mid-range too so it's not gonna go away but she's gonna scare some asun opponents for sure away from shooting so yeah definitely it'll be exciting to see what she can do in her her sophomore year and how much of those insane numbers from her freshman year she can maintain now that everyone has her number a little bit more. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think uh, what will be key for her is not really the defense like that's going to either be there or it will be threatening to be there, which is good enough. 
Um, I think if she can up her points, uh, her scoring, just volume and efficiency, um, which as a, you'd think going from freshman to sophomore that you'd have a little bit more comfort there. Um, that'll be necessary for her to like really shine. Um, but yeah, just eye popping numbers given everything about her as a player is yeah, really impressive. Definitely. One last name that's standing out to me from kind of a, a national perspective. She's on the Nancy Lieberman award, award watch list as well. McKenna Hofschild out of uh, Colorado State, another player that should be exciting this year. 6.3 assists per game last year and 17.5 points. So definitely some impressive numbers in her junior season. Yeah, and she is, she had that incredible, like incredibly high assist per game. Uh, yeah, so her her assist to turnover ratio was two point eight seven, which is eleventh in the like eleventh in Division One, and she was one of just two players last season to average six assists per game on fewer than two and a half turnovers while also scoring in double figures. Um, she's really interesting. Um, I haven't heard a whole lot coming out of uh, coming out of Mountain West about where Colorado State's going to fit in. Um, as a team, but I think she's just a very fun player. She scores, like you said, and assists at like significant uh, rates. And um, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that she is at Colorado State, the uh, alma mater of this award's namesake. <laughs> Year one, the award went to someone literally from Becky Hammond's hometown. Like we are not planning this at all. Um, maybe i guess i have like some sort of like ability to make it happen <laughs> because <laughs> we uh uh kirsten bell wins two years in a row and then she's drafted by becky hammond um but yeah if there's a if there's like a weird like voodoo going on uh i guess things look good for her but yeah uh it'll be interesting um she's a senior probably not going to see a huge jump in stats at this point in her career but if she just does what she did last year um and if Colorado State can have some good team success uh, and she can carry them a little bit, uh, be really interesting looking at her for lists down the line. So definitely, and I just looked it up while you were talking. And Colorado State was picked third in the Mountain West, so definitely up there in the preseason poll. Maybe can make some potential. Also, a fun tidbit is that she will be on national TV on February twenty fifth. That. Mountain West has five national TV games. That's right, season, yeah. Which is pretty cool. Um, so that is exciting to see. Love to see that. Yeah. Um, and I guess if you have it up, uh, one of the other plays that, that I did want to touch on out of the Mountain West is New Mexico's Shaquel Magruder. Um, she does a little bit of everything. She scores very efficiently, um, despite not shooting the ball that often. Uh her 65.9% two-point shooting was ninth in the country last season, and her 1.3 points per scoring attempt was 21st. An incredibly efficient shooter, a pretty efficient rebounder. She blocked a shot and a half a game, and she got 1.8 steals per game. Just really impacts the game on an all-around level. Um, another very fun player out of the Mountain West to keep an eye on. Definitely, and um, New Mexico picked second in their, their preseason poll. They actually did get two first-place votes as well, so definitely a team 
that could potentially um, be in the, the title race there in that conference. They have two of those national TV broadcasts too, which is exciting. Right. So both in January, one on CBS Sports Network and the other on Fox Sports 1. So awesome to see that. We'll have to, to uh, <laughs> have to line up one of those games, maybe uh, maybe a New Mexico-Colorado State game and throw <laughs> that onto a playback and uh, – Fingers crossed, uh, get yes. Coach Hammond to join on potentially. Uh, who knows? <laughs> Definitely, that would be awesome. Ways out. <laughs> yeah, a while away. We're just in November, but the season yeah. does start. We're recording this on Monday. So, in a week, we will be talking about actual basketball games instead of just all those hypothetical things, which I'm yeah. very excited about. <laughs> there will be a whole other watch list. There will be the whole midseason watch list before a lot of those games even come up. So, Yes, <laughs> exactly. But exciting. Um, kind of handing it over to you. Any other players we didn't highlight that you want to make sure we talk about? Yeah, uh, I'll touch on Tishar Morehouse um, at Florida Gulf Coast. Obviously, Kirsten Bell no longer there, but what what Morehouse has been able to do, um, I have a soft spot for for short players who score efficiently. Um, she's five foot three. Um, and I believe in not last season, but the season before she shot a two point and I, I'm fuzzy on the numbers. It's been a while since I looked at the actual numbers, but she shot a, she shot from two point range at a shooting percentage that in the past, like 10 years, basically had not been matched by a player, like anywhere near as short as her since, um, since Shea Petty. So like that's. That's great company for like an efficient short score, which like I said, I have a soft spot for. Um, she dis- dishes out the ball well um, for a team that's going to shoot a whole bunch of three pointers, um, even without, even with Kirsten Bell now in the WNBA. Um, be interesting to see how she adapts to not having Bell as kind of like taking some of the pressure off. But uh, I'm excited to see her this season. Um, go down the list uh a group of ivy league players um so we have abby sue um i have yeah out of columbia uh she's a junior great player really fun player and then um also have kayla padilla i apologize if i'm saying that incorrectly um but i believe yeah kayla so kayla was on the 2020-21 preseason um watch list and then, la- yeah, and then Ivy League had a year off. She came back even better, set career highs in points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks. And she just is truly one of the most durable players in the country. Um, Penn, obviously, is not, like, competing on the level as, like, Princeton or, um, like, Harvard um, or some of those other schools. But, like, they're they're not slouches, obviously. And she carried them last season playing 37.6 minutes per game, which ranked 14th in the country. Um, really, really impressive. Uh, let's knock out some other conferences. Uh, the West Coast Conference, I believe they have three players. Yeah, so they have Brenna Maxwell, who is a uh, transfer from Utah. She put up really, really impressive freshman uh, numbers, but her role was kind of diminished as a sophomore and a junior. So her numbers last season don't look great or don't look as good as they could be. Um, 
But moving it over to Gonzaga, um, we'll have an opportunity for an, an increased role and should be able to match or improve on what she showed as a freshman um, with a little bit more, bit, a little bit larger role in the offense. Um, excited to see her play. Um, also in the West Coast Conference, Alex Fowler out of Portland. Um, she just kind of does the same thing every season. Uh, in her first two seasons, sorry, in her first three seasons, she has essentially just been guaranteed to just give you 17 points, eight rebounds, and three assists. Like, and it doesn't vary too much um, game to game, season to season. Uh, really excited to see her play. And then I'm going to struggle saying this name. I'm trying to do it right. Ioana Kramili, uh, I believe is Greek, uh, for, and she plays for San Francisco, also in the West Coast Conference. Um, she's a fun guard, uh, probably consider her a shooting guard. Um, I believe she was probably on the, I forget the name, of the guard list from uh, the uh, from Hoopal. But uh, yeah, excited to see her play this season as well. Um, See if I'm. Oh, I haven't even touched on literally any of the Mac players. Done the list of the Mac. So just going alphabetically by school. We have Lexi Fleming, who's making a return from injury. Um, let me make sure I've got it right. Yeah. So she was on the mid-season list in 2020-21. She was on the preseason list last year, but missed the entire season with an injury. Um, but she, tr she, along with Destiny Wells, put up one of the more impressive freshman seasons in the 2020-21 season, put up almost 16 points, almost five rebounds, two and a half assists, two and a half steals. Um, it will shock no one that she is a, a short guard, which I keep like, I don't, so, yeah. I, I yeah. Uh, I'm intrigued to see where she is post-injury. Um, if she can return to where she was pre-injury um, at the very least, uh, potentially improve because obviously it's been since her freshman season since she actually played, but she can even improve on that. Uh, she's a really dangerous player in the Mac. Um, with Peyton Scott out of Miami of Ohio. Um, she was a player who uh, in the consideration this off season came into the fold late. And then it became apparent that like, we couldn't leave her off. She's just, she just had a great season. She's poised to look really good this year and is, I believe, a draft prospect for this upcoming draft. Um, typically, players from mid-majors, they're going to go late second or third round, um, but something to keep an eye on with her. Um, and there are two other players, Asia Davis of Northern Illinois, just an incredibly efficient player. Um, I believe she had a 20, or no, yeah, so she... She averaged 16.6 points per game and 12 rebounds per game, which is just an absurd combination. Um, she also added two assists and a steal. Um, yeah, just definition of like a stat sheet stuffer. Um, <laughs> just, just yeah, taken down. Just tons and tons of rebounds. Her rebounding rate was 26 in the country. Um, very excited to see her play. And then lastly, I think probably the favorite for um, for Mac Player of the Year is Quinisha Lockett. She was one of the players last season that was almost like 
she was she was getting better as the year went on and her stats kept getting better and better and she was just always one step outside of the watch list so this is actually her first watch list appearance um she's now a senior last year she put up uh almost 18 points per game over five rebounds over two and a half assists and nearly two steals per game another one of those players uh she plays kind of a combo like a guard forward type type of role um she saw a dip in scoring efficiency last year but she was like even with that she was one of the more pr- productive players in the mac and was named to the all mac first team i would consider her the favorite to win the mac player of the year which given how strong the mac looks just from a player perspective this season especially um seems like a fast track to make it to at least the semifinals unless there's some collapse but uh yeah definitely she's one of the players nationally i think that will get a lot more attention this year um it would not surprise me to see her make an appearance pretty high up on some of the uh scoring leaderboards throughout the season so nice awesome i suppose uh to close it out uh talk about uh or at least in terms of players uh talk about star jacobs uh ut arlington churning for her redshirt senior uh season um she originally last season came over to uta from temple college and junior college and she ranked 14th in the country in points per game and then in the top two percent in steals per game uh she's gonna be huge for ut arlington this season um potentially another player that could add pretty significantly to her volume which is crazy given the fact that she did already rank 14th in the country and 21 points per game i would not be shocked to see her even challenge for the top of the country um given it's like last year was just literally her first experience in ncaa uh, after coming from juco so definitely yeah it's always fun to see those mid-rager players at the top of the the points per game list and it happens yeah. quite often i guess it's a maybe a little steeper hill lately to climb with caitlin clark really topping that list at an insane level but yeah, yeah i wouldn't be surprised to see her name or one of someone else on this list up there yeah for years it was um it was Deja Fair, but now I believe as a senior, maybe a redshirt junior, uh, she's out of the mid-major ranks and over at Syracuse, like I mentioned before. Um, she was kind of holding down the fort of consistently being at the top. Um, and like Jasmine Dickey last year, I think was in the top three, uh, maybe even top two, uh, has gone on to the WNBA. Top three, because I think Seagrist was second. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah. Um a lot of a lot of major talent transferred a lot of it graduated but there's still so much to be excited about in the major basketball um and like 90 percent of what we just talked about is like individual players there are entire teams that are kind of more the collective value of their players um brings them up really high uh like i mentioned princeton before obviously um south dakota could be one of those teams it'll be interesting to see where they show up but uh, yeah, I'm, as always, I am so excited for basketball season to start. So excited to watch like unhealthy amounts of ESPN plus <laughs> and, like jump around every game. That's like within five points in the last 10 minutes. Uh, yeah, just so excited for it. Same, I cannot wait for the season to start on, on Monday. It's, it's getting so close and it's very exciting. I feel like with the mid-majors too, with all the like transfer portal action, there's kind of an added element of interest just with like where might some of these type top players end up next year because a lot of them are going to have the opportunity that they want to to go make a leap into Power 5. And it'll be exciting to kind of see 
how that goes with a lot of the big transfers this year and then how that looks going forward as well. Yeah, and every time there's a Shaley Gonzalez going to Texas or Dave Chaffer going to Syracuse or Abby Myers going to Maryland, it opens up opportunities for other players to fill that role behind them. It's not like there's a shortage of talent. Um, exactly. The mid-major basketball is not going to not going to collapse under the weight of not having some of those, some of those players. Um, so yeah, it, it'll be exciting to see who steps up in the mid-major ranks. And like you said, potentially keep cycling through players potentially. Uh, but yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Well, I'm excited that in a week we can actually talk about what these players are looking like on the court. But yep. for now, I think that's all for, for preseason chat. So thanks Jacob for joining me. Yeah, always happy to join. Well, that's all for today's episode. Thank you for listening. As always, make sure to rate, like, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening to or watching us. Also, be sure that you are subscribed to the stats site for all the stats you do have for the upcoming NCAA season, herhoopstats.com. It's just $20 a year to subscribe. Also, be sure to subscribe to our free newsletter on Substack and to follow us on social media at Her Hoopstats on all platforms. Thanks again for listening. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.